This week on Sound Off, we're going to be discussing the X Factor banning the use of auto-tune and also Vampire Weekend's legal troubles over their album art of Contra. And also we're going to be reviewing the latest release from Rara Riot entitled The Orchard. And we're also going to be taking a look from the latest release between the collaboration of Ginny Lewis and Jonathan Rice, also known as Ginny and Johnny. All that and more next up on Sound Off. Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the hottest news in the music world and do in-depth album reviews of some of the biggest releases. I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. And I'm Kirsten Southwell, known on Mondays 5-7 as DJ Vice. Already plugging away. All right. But, um, <laughs> this week, we are going to be reviewing brand new releases from Ra Ra Riot and the collaboration between Ginny Lewis and Jonathan Rice, also known as Ginny and Johnny. But before that... Let's get to some news. All right, so uh, one of the one of the more interesting pieces of news that came out this week was the X Factor, which is the British sort of American Idol. Well, it's actually what American Idol was based off of. They are banning auto tune. Well, I think it was. I don't know. I read the story. I don't think they're banning it. I think that they were caught using it for that girl's audition. Did you actually hear the audition? I didn't hear the audition, but I I believe that the. The producers are going to completely cut out the use of the auto-tune. Well, it was like, I mean, it was just extremely obvious. I think that's what made everybody upset. It's it's pretty funny to hear, too. It's It sounds, it's subtle, but you can definitely hear it there. What happened is uh, some of the producers, after the show had been completed, was went back and actually auto-tuned some of the performers' vocals. And their explanation was they were doing it to get rid of ambient noise and to get rid of background noise that the crowd was making. But I can you use autotune to, to do that? That's what always interested me. I've never personally used autotune, but it, I mean, it did sound... I, I just know that you can make anything sound decent when you use autotune. I mean, look at some of the musicians that have had great success with it. But, like, I don't know. It was uh, It was just funny. It was just an audition, too. And by the way, I think X Factor is totally the worst name for a show ever. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, well, <laughs> go right ahead. But uh, I, I think it's interesting that a show that would promote vocal talent would even at any point in time consider, hey, let's use autotune. Well, I think the bigger point is that people are watching it either to watch someone completely miserably embarrass themselves and fail or they're watching it for entertainment value. And I, I think the other thing that's upsetting people is they want to hear what the judges hear and not just the pure, solid, gold entertainment that they appear to be receiving with autotune. That's right. And I think one thing that's coming up is this is showing autotune is becoming more and more prevalent in I, pop culture, no matter where, in the UK and the US especially. Uh, it's, but we mentioned or think of it more along the lines of bigger pop artists and more rap hip-hop artists than anything else but i think now that it's penetrating the 
uh, contestant shows, that it's becoming more and more uh, influential. In- influential, and yes. it's certainly it's certainly sparking some outrage against the fans. Yeah, well, especially when I mean they build these shows off the trust that you're voting and the fans and the viewers want to feel like they have some input. So deceiving them kind of pulls away from that, that they're in control, which seems to be the main appeal for American Idol and things where you can vote. I, even though I haven't watched that. Have you, I don't remember the last time I watched it. It's still voting. American Idol. Yeah. Yeah. Still all voting based. Okay. Well then, yeah. So when it's, it's deceiving the voters. That seems to be the biggest complaint from the, the, <laughs> the viewers. It's I don't know about this autotune, man. It's uh, Justin Vernon, also known as Bonnie Vare, has used he used it in a previous EP of his. Which and, one? Uh, it was the one with Blood Bank on it. I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. Huh? I don't even know. I I, I guess I haven't heard for it. I mean, in situations where it's not a, a contest for vocal talent, and it's just for pure listening value i mean is it bonnie Vare doesn't you know there's no question on whether or not he has talent so i'm not that upset about him using autotune i guess as long as he's not doing it all the time i don't think a little autotune hurts anybody no well no i i don't i don't think it does either (laughs) it's an interesting debate i'm i'm curious to see what other vocal manipulation devices become available in the future now that this one's had so much success yeah, and it seems to kind of be falling off the mark a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say that it's completely erased itself from the culture because right now it's so predominant, but I could see autotune kind of slowing down in usage as more and more people become oversaturated to the whole the whole idea of having vocals uh, autocorrected. True. I mean, it's not that people don't do that already. Like you always hear about how much worse people sound in the first round of production and after everything's done, how much better they sound. So there'll always be some extent of auto manipulation. Um, I just think that one is kitschy and a gimmick. And maybe that's why it'll sell out. Or they'll just think of a new one. All right. And with that, let's (laughs) move on to our second news story of the week. Uh, This has kind of been a developing story over the past couple of months. But what is going on is Vampire Weekend. uh, They're having this whole debacle with the cover girl of their latest album, Contra, uh, she's actually suing them for $2 million against using her photo on their cover without her actually knowing it, which seems surprising to me. Now, the the female in question, her name is Ann Kinnis. Uh, she was a model in the early 80s, or in the 80s and early 90s, and she's kind of come out and said, don't just use my picture all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I've... People have actually asked me about this story, and I think it, maybe it's because I'm in graphic design. They think I have some more insight as far as copyright and using pictures, because that is something that I'm sure the person behind this album, whether it was the musicians themselves or a designer, probably had to put some thought into um, who they were getting rights from. And I had read uh, on the link you sent me for this article, it was talking about the photographer and arguing over who took the picture. And then this is an interesting argument over um, who actually owns a picture. If if the uh, model owns the picture or if the photographer, I mean, that's like taking a picture of the Eiffel Tower and wanting to sell it and then Paris being like, that's our Eiffel Tower, you owe us money. 
So obviously, I, she is obviously doing something right because she has a case. But there seems to be some debate over who took the picture. But regardless, Vampire Weekend did use this without, I, oh, it seems the expressed consent of uh, Miss Kinnis. And I think Vanity Fair pointed this out, that it's interesting how a new band is is reflecting a lot of these ideals about copyright and not getting permission for their cover art. I wonder, did they ever mention where they obtained the photo? I, I don't, I I can't remember where they obtained the photo, but it's it's still an interesting point that they just used it mm-hmm. without asking anybody, it seems. In theory, though, I'm sure the practical thing that most people are thinking are if you go to a thrift store and I, I know Father and Sons in Raleigh has big old bins of photos and you pick one of these photos up and buy it for $2, what are your rights with that photo? Um, and... At any rate, if you really want to use it for something, I don't know if there's a definite right or wrong. I mean, how are you supposed to contact somebody? I'm sure that's how they obtained it. It is something like that because there's no way that they were able to get into this woman's personal data bank of pictures and take it from Especially since she was a model at one point. Right. So there have to be tons of pictures of her from the time period in which she was modeling. And there's absolutely no way... I, I, as far as the process of going to a thrift store, picking up a picture and deciding I want to use this for something, how am I going to find out who this woman is in order to get consent? And that's the argument, uh, you know, should you use it at all? But I, I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure this isn't the only situation where this has happened um, because there are tons of pictures in the public domain that get usage on albums and posters and such. My favorite part about this entire story, the entire case, is the fact that she's coming out and actively saying, people, stop using my photo. And what happens is when she says that, uh, reviewers and reporters will write, girl from the Vampire Weekend cover says, don't use our photo. And what will they post to promote that article (laughs) on what she said? They will use the album cover (laughs) with her photo on it. Right. That just throws my, it wouldn't keep getting brought up if she didn't keep saying, hey, stop using it. Now I'm going to go out and sue you because what they're going to use is that album cover that is in question. So in fact, she's hurting herself because she's coming out and saying, don't use my photo. I'm suing you. And they use that photo. And the, uh, the damage is completely already done. So many people own this album by the time she even came out with this lawsuit. And it's just part of history now, even though... She says she doesn't want this picture being taken or being used everywhere. She still allowed herself to have that picture taken. Now, that can go in a million different directions. Um, Obviously, if you take if you have a picture of yourself taken and it's on Facebook, even though you didn't take the picture and it's a picture of you, you're going to want some consent before that's printed on anything. Um, But. There's just so many things in question here. I'm really interested to see how this lawsuit turns out. This was a top five album, Billboard-wise. At one point in time, it was top five on the Billboard charts. And so a lot of people have exposure to this record. And like you said, there's no turning back at this point. What are they going to do, reissue the album several months after it had already been released? And I think she has every right to ask for money. But to make this big to-do about, stop using my picture, I mean... What are you, is she going to issue a recall for all the albums? There's, 
nothing. But I think she I can Vampire Weekend afford a two million dollar lawsuit. I don't think anybody can afford a two million dollar lawsuit. I mean, they're Especially, doing pretty well. I mean, well, those in the independent music scene aren't going to be so prone to being able to pay off a two million dollar lawsuit or settle out of court. Even Who are they signed to? They are signed to XL. Is that? I'm guessing it's one of the major indies. So likely they're going to be backed by this. Uh, their their corporate lawyers, right? Definitely. But bring the man into even it. Even still, I think they're going to have to settle out of court if anything, because this is been drawing on for quite some time now we haven't had the chance to mention it since this really started over the summer but i'm still interested in where it's going to end up right and with that we are going to move on to our music reviews this week we're going to start off by reviewing Ra Ra riots the orchard now this is their second full-length lp from the syracuse new york rock band all right Ra Ra riots the orchard what were your first impressions the southwell well uh i have the first album I was really in love with the first album. This album is really, really different. I mean, it's got a lot of the same fundamentals that I think people like about Ra Ra Riot. They, they really still are consistent with the strings. Um, I felt like there was some really interesting experimentation as far as with the structure of their songs. But then there was also a shift the opposite direction with more bland pop um, that... I just thought was below par um, compared to their other songs in the last album. And, and in, you? In an attempt to avoid any comparisons with their previous work, I really liked this album. I thought it was enjoyable. It was relaxed at points. It kept this similar vibe. Uh, there were some morose kind of lyricism that was sprinkled throughout this really awesome bass-heavy music. And I think we'll right. talk about the sweet bass a little later <laughs> on. Uh, that first track, The Orchard, Orchard. I can't really say Orchard today. <laughs> Orchard. Orchard. The first track, The Orchard, I love. It, fell in, it swooned me, if anything. It's, it's delicate and it's light, but it has this real kick to it. And I think all that kick is based off the bass. And that follows over into the second track, Boy, which I thought was an, also an excellent example of this pop mixed with this orchestral symphony type of sound. Uh, that reminded me a bit of the new pornographer's last release and okay. how they were able to implement that type of orchestral pop overall tone. Oh, uh, and don't get me wrong. If there's a band that's nailing orchestral pop, I think it's Ra Ra Riot. I I felt like some of the songs dragged a little bit for me, um, specifically Massachusetts. Uh, I, it was I liked how it was a little bit more experimental. It was just... I, I couldn't really understand what they were saying, which matters to me. I, I guess I really like to enjoy the lyrics. Um, I felt like the ending kind of was cheating. I don't know. It just was not a very great song. It wasn't very strong to be in the middle of the album. Um, were there any songs that stuck out to you as not very good? Or uh, very towards good? the end, it does seem to drag on a little bit. They do keep this sound that's very similar, and it kind of continues. Throughout mm -hmm. the entire album, it's great for the first 15, 20 minutes, but those last couple of tracks, it's like, I get the idea. Can we please kind of spice it up a little bit? And I think there were attempts when they were experimenting, they were trying to get some new sounds, but I didn't think it was executed as well as it could have been. Well, I thought my two favorite songs I felt like were closer to the end of the album than the beginning. Um, you and I know with the female vocalist. 
I mean, that was just really, really refreshing. His his vocals are very unique, uh, the, the lead singer, but that that was just such a refreshing track and it, it built really nicely and it transitioned beautifully. Um, and then that was followed by Shadow Casting, which I think was a close second, if not equal, favorite of mine to you and I know. So I was I found myself more engaged towards the end, but by the end of the album, um, I can see where you're talking about the last three tracks. The Do You Remember and is it Kanzai? How do you pronounce that? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I'm having trouble pronouncing the orchard. <laughs> But no, I. this was an interesting point that I made when we reviewed She and Him, which has not been released. There is a secret She and Him review from you, myself, and Miss Sarah Hager. Really? Yeah, oh. that was in our in our trial run. Oh, that's show. right. That's right, yes. But I think this falls alongside of the lines that the She and Him record did where it starts off with this vibe and this feeling, and then I feel as if my my attention is falling away as the album progresses. Because I'm getting that same point overemphasized. And so I feel a little oversaturated with the same sounds. And I'm hoping for something new. And I want something to strike me so well. And uh, albums do this for me all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week, Arcade Fire, Sprawl 2, right there at the end, punches me right in the stomach. Just great track. I've killed that song since last. Anyway, sorry. Yes, continue. But albums are able to do that all the time are the ones that I appreciate the most. Because I think this is a common problem that's occurring where records will have this great start and then they'll fall apart towards the end when I'm listening to it because what I'm getting is the same type of sound over and over and over again. But that's not to say it's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. What's to say is I want some diversity within tracks. Well, I think actually I do feel like this album is in a lot of ways diverse. I mean, you look at The Orchard with it, it doesn't really have a, a, a really common song structure i mean you don't really develop you know where uh, any kind of chorus is until the very end it does have a build but it is very interesting and the beat is very experimental but then too dramatic that song which is extremely catchy by the way um it's just you know it's very straightforward pop and they're different and they both have things that are good and bad about them um and those two along with you and i know um I, I felt like there was some diversity, but there were a lot of the continuing themes, such as the pulsing. There was always a lot of pulsing, like like dunk 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 dunk, like with the violins and everything and the bass guitar. Yeah, that bass is just that's what really grabbed me at the very beginning. I've mentioned that earlier, but that was one standout that I saw RRI implementing. A lot of these orchestral type of bands won't have anything outside of just implementing things like violin to really to grab a hold of you. But the fact that they were able to put in such a more contemporary rock type of sound was what really strikes me as compelling, at least with this record in particular. Yeah, and um, they do definitely push the the different instruments. Like they the violin and the strings are very prevalent. Um, but they do still tend to keep it relatively simple like it, it's it's a good sound a good simple it's you would expect usually if there are strings and other unusual instruments that it tends to be more rich um but it's it, it does leave a good taste in your mouth it's it's a good um it's a good touch that they do very well all right so let's wrap up this review of our rights the orchard 
Uh, would you recommend this album? Yeah, I would. Um, especially to someone who, I, uh, who's not familiar with their previous work, I think would still equally enjoy this album. Uh, I feel like this album has a lot to offer to people who like pop music, who like classical influence in music, um, and who enjoy good vocals. I think there's a lot of that also. I, yeah, I feel the same way. I think there's a lot here to take home. Uh, while this may not be a favorite of yours, it's pretty easy to listen to, and there's not going to be a lot that is going to outright offend you. Yeah, you don't have to work hard to enjoy this album, for sure. All right, and with that, let's move on to our second album review, Ginny and Johnny. Now, this is a collaboration by Ginny Lewis, also from Rilo Kylie. She's the front woman with Rilo Kylie, and Jonathan Rice, who's actually her boyfriend and a fellow musician. Well, have you heard Jenny's solo out, like her solo tracks? Like, have you heard the song Acid Tongue? Yes. I mean, I love that song. She is just amazing. Sorry, I just. Now, Jonathan Rice has worked uh, in production with her previous records. Right. And so this is not like it's their first collaboration musically. So hopefully this isn't like the Ben Affleck, J-Lo equivalent of (laughs) Geely. Right. Okay. What are your first impressions? Um, First off, I thought it was very smooth. I felt like um, the harmonies are really consistent. They're both very talented in making beautiful music. I was initially a little disappointed with Jenny's um, vocal demonstrations just simply from hearing that previous track, Acid Tongue. And I feel like it is relevant to bring in past work, especially with her work with Rilo Kelly and, um, and her solo stuff because, I mean, you hear that song, Acid Tongue, and you're just like, that is a stellar stellar female vocalist and she just doesn't show it off she doesn't showcase it here and i think because of that initially i was turned off i was terribly disappointed by this entire record uh, whoa i it, it, <laughs> it's because i there's a lot of potential here but i don't think that they amount to it at all mm-hmm. do you have anything i guess initially positive to say about any parts of the album I mean, they do all the things necessary to put out a record that you won't hate a lot when you pick it up if you're a fan of Rilo Kylie or the solo work of either of these two artists. But man, just as a record, sitting down and listening to this as a whole, it's just terribly boring. I think what I perceived is a bunch of tracks that sound like each other, one after another, with nothing too spectacular out there that really was able to take me away. Uh, There were maybe two tracks that I didn't... Hate Which ones? Abysmally. I did like Scissor Runner at the very beginning. Okay. And I like Big Wave. But outside of those two tracks, this album just drove me completely insane. <laughs> it's 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 a hard thing to do to drive DJ ones insane. Both of these artists I know are talented. I've listened to the work of both of them and I enjoy the work right. that both have put out. But coming together, I would compare this a little to Ben Affleck and J Lo's Geely. Because, I mean, you think, okay, both two artists coming together to do one work, and what happens? It's not very good. I'm not going to compare it to the level of horrible, horrible movie making that Geely is. I have never seen Geely. So don't. Don't ever <laughs> I'm not prepared for this comparison. Continue. But I'm going to say that it is just so disappointing. I, I 
when I walked away from this record, I thought there could have been so much more here, and there just isn't. Uh, they do do these pop harmonies, but there's nothing special about them. It's I've heard them before in collaborations with musicians, like I mentioned earlier. She and him and M. Ward do this type of pop sound, and I think they do it a whole lot more effectively because there's this distinct style that they both bring to the table. Now, what happens here is we have two individuals who come from that kind of unabrasive pop background, and what do they do? They create more predictable pop music. And predictable is really, I guess, a, a very good word. I think the biggest distinction I made, and I wonder if you'll agree, there are two or three songs that um, are consistently performed by one, either Jenny or Johnny. And um, those were Big Wave and Animal were the two that were my favorite songs. Um, and I felt like the biggest distinction was there was it wasn't a duet. Like, they would have some um, background vocals and everything for the chorus, but for the most part, their duets were just, I mean, they were stale. There was They were catchy. There were a lot of um, dark lyrical undertones that, I mean, I guess were ironically contrasted with the poppy sound, but it was just, um, they were equal. They, the, the duet quality, it was just equivalent and there was just nothing standing out with either of their voices together. But I felt like individually when they did perform that they did a whole lot better. I would, I would totally invest in an album that was, um, you know, one backing the other, but one primarily singing and performing a song, which I felt like made a huge difference. That's an interesting point that I would also agree with. One thing that I took away was when they do those, coinciding vocals there's nothing compelling there like the xx the xx are a perfect example of male and female vocals who were interplay with each other and work at each other at the same time and those create compelling tracks because i think what happens there is there's this kind of emotional interplay between the two as if they're speaking to each other right although they won't openly admit that that is the case in their songwriting mm -hmm. or in, in the way that they perform but i would get the sense that okay, it's as if they are communicating with each other through song. And that's what creates, that's what's so compelling about the XX. And you have two vocalists that are completely different working with each other. And here you kind of get these two vocalists that have somewhat similar uh, vocal harmonies and sounds coming together. And when they would butt heads like that, there was just nothing overly compelling about it. And I think that's an interesting point that you make about the XX because um, at, at times in these albums, I mean, you can tell they're they're making really, um, they're doing a lot of name calling for one. A lot of their songs like Animal, You're an Animal, you, uh, Show Your Teeth to Everyone. Like there's a lot of name calling, um, calling them Scissor Runner, calling them Snakes and all these things. Um, but I really felt disconnected like I felt like I was listening to two people in a room talking about themselves and it just didn't engage or connect to me at all of the lyrics I could understand I like that you sure. point out those lyrics because when I heard those I thought these are just children making these songs up <laughs> who wrote these tracks I mean I think some of them have some value I like animal even though you say that's not one of your um, favorite songs it's I, I felt like he did a really nice job, um, Johnny, that is, performing that track. And then, so th there's these these simple themes. And then you have a song like Big Wave, which is obviously about 
um, these, this couple's financial troubles. Um, did you catch that from, I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's like, we're spending money we don't have. I think it was one lyric from it. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely more dynamic and, and maybe the fact that they're not singing about love and it's not as personal to them. Maybe that's why they expand on their songwriting and, um, music a little bit there. All right. So, uh, this has been a, this was a really <laughs> tough album for me to review. So how many times did you listen to it? I listened to this album twice. Twice. All right. And, uh, I, I usually don't like to come into albums with expectations. Oh, we didn't talk about which the worst song was. I guess that would be a fun oh, one to do. Do you have a worst so many, song? No, there's a handful that just drove me nuts. Uh, from the animal right from from the writing in particular songs like Animal, that just it just it just made me want to just stop listening and walk away. There were so so points which I was so frustrated that I did not want to continue listening to this record because I thought that it was like a side project that didn't come across effectively. Okay, so yours was Animal, which is funny, which is one of my favorite songs. I think my least favorite song was either New York Cartoon or Just Like Zeus. Um, two equally awful songs. I, I just, there's, it was just overkill, boring, bland, and it's it's right towards the end of the album, um, which does, I, I will point out one more song, is Committed. Very, it's it's very catchy. Uh, more structured to songwriting than their previous songs. Um, but uh, remember how last time I made this like weird connection to Animal Collective, which I had to prove to DJ ones later. I was like, listen to this harmony. Doesn't that sound like this song? And he still and thought I was crazy. you funny. <laughs> but okay, next time we listen to Committed, I was like, gosh, this tune, it sounds really familiar. What does it remind me of? And maybe you'll think this is funny. It totally reminded me of... Um, Achy breaky heart. All right. <laughs> Try and catch it. Try and catch I'm it. I'm really tired of talking in this record because I was so so utterly disappointed. So let's wrap up our review of Ginny and John. All right. I'm having fun now. I certainly wasn't having fun. <laughs> so I'll start off with my recommendations. No, I I'm I hate to say this, but I can't recommend this record. Uh, what you're gonna get is a handful of songs that sound the same and aren't very compelling. And aren't you're not able to actively participate with? Mm -hmm. By that I mean they don't. There's nothing there that will take you away. Yeah, I I think if you have nothing better to do, um, and your mom just gave you fifteen dollars, and you I don't know have all the alcohol and junk food you need, then maybe you could consider purchasing a track or two on iTunes and checking it out because I think from a single quality. Maybe um, some people would enjoy some singles off this album, but as an album yourself, I would save that fifteen dollars for gas money. I wouldn't even go so far as to save to. I would say save the money on the singles. And if you <laughs> want a good male female duo, go out and seek something like She Name or go out and seek something like The XX. All right, so Jenny and Johnny, get your act together. <laughs> we sound off does not approve. Oh, that's very harsh. Wow. How is that harsher than anything well, you just said? I mean, well, <laughs> you just put it so bluntly. All right. And with that, uh, I think it's about time to wrap up yeah, another episode <laughs> of Sound Off. Uh, once again, I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. And I'm Kirsten Southwell, otherwise known as DJ Vice. Remember, you can always get in contact with us about what news articles you want us to l talk about, what albums you want us to review. And you can do all that by emailing us at soundoff at wknc.org. 
Or you can tweet us up. We're on Twitter. Maybe you can score DJ One's phone number. Nope, Maybe. not happening. <laughs> yep. So now we. Maybe you might be able to. <laughs> uh, it's at WKNC Sound Off. Right. And with that, we are going to sound off for this week. We'll see you later. Pew, 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 pew.